It's great to be together, and um, we're continuing our series today, which we've been looking at all this term, which is the whole sense of uh, the kingdom of God. This, the kind of thing, if you look through the Gospels, if you look through Jesus' words when he was here on earth, he spoke a lot about bringing the kingdom. He very much saw it as part of his um, kind of manifesto, as it was, to come and bring in the kingdom of God when he came here on earth. So we've been trying to unpack that a little bit over the last kind of few weeks really looking at what does it mean if Jesus came to bring the kingdom and we're followers of Christ, therefore we're called as well to bring the kingdom of God wherever we go. So what does that look like in reality? It's all very well kind of talking about these things, but what does it mean in reality? What does it mean in day-to-day kind of reality? So we've been looking at some of the actions that will come as we bring the kingdom of God. Uh, That's seeing people born again, seeing people healed, seeing people set free from spiritual oppression, and also seeing uh, social justice come. But we've also been exploring a little bit more what the atmosphere is when the kingdom comes. What, what should it kind of, what's the atmosphere when, when God is in charge? What does that look like? So we've been looking at peace and comfort. And today we're going to look at the subject of joy. Okay, so let's start with a quote by a guy called Robert Louis Stevenson, a famous kind of children's book writer. Uh, he said this, he said, Find out where joy resides and give it a voice far beyond singing. For to miss the joy is to miss all. It's a, it's, a, it's a nice subject when you come to speak about joy or something, isn't it? I've preached about the wrath of God and things like that before, but it's kind of nice to kind of focus on something like joy because actually it's something that we all want more of, isn't it? If you kind of did a survey around the high street and you said to people, if I could give you some more joy, would you take it? I think the vast, vast majority of people would say, yes, I'd love to be a little bit more joyful. And even if you think actually you couldn't be more joyful than you are, I bet the person sitting next to you, you'd love them to be more joyful. Okay, that's what we want, isn't it? We want joy and we want that. Now, this isn't just something that's a pipe dream. This is something of the kingdom of God. This is something of the promise of God. So what does it say in the Bible about this? Well, Luke 4 verse 19, this this kind of passage where Jesus stands up and he quotes from Isaiah 61 right at the beginning of his ministry. And he says, part of what he says there is, I've come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So part of that is this sense where actually he's bringing the favor of God, and that includes joy. If you track back to Isaiah 61, the passage where Jesus at that moment is quoting from, and you look at the full kind of, manu- uh, full kind of detail of what Isaiah is talking about there that Jesus kind of points to and summarizes, then actually in Isaiah 61 and verse 7, part of the kingdom of God coming is where it says, they shall have everlasting joy. That's kind of the promise of when you are in the kingdom of God, on offer is everlasting joy. And in Romans 14, verse 17, where Paul's there talking about the kingdom of God, he says, for the kingdom of God is not of, of eating and drinking, but is of peace, joy, um, peace, comfort, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So there's this sense that actually this isn't supposed to be a bonus thing that happens. Is it, wouldn't it be nice if we just had a, a good day and felt a little bit joyful? Actually, where, wherever God rules and reigns, joy should be present. There should be this sense where actually joy is not just a a nice bonus, but actually it's an intrinsic part of the kingdom of God. It should be a daily reality wherever God rules and reigns. Wherever he is in charge, there is joy. That's what the Bible's saying. It's not like there is the opportunity for there to be joy. He's saying there is joy present wherever God rules and reigns. If you look in heaven, if we look ahead to what is ahead of us in eternity, it's a place of joy. It's not a place of suffering and sadness. It's a place of joy. That's where God's rule and reign is fully exercised. There is joy. 
So why do sometimes Christians in the church often seem the opposite? Our, um, our good friend Julian Adams, who's often been here and helped us a lot over the years, he often says, doesn't he, that it, it seems that Christians are, are marinated in lemon juice a lot of the time. Or he says there is so much joy, but actually sometimes we just need to let our faces let us know the joy that we have. So why is it sometimes that actually our lives just are not full of joy? It doesn't feel like actually that's a reality. We can read it in the Bible and say, okay, the kingdom of God is about, there's a joy. Yet why do, why do I not feel very joyful? Well, I think there's the danger of the two ditches that often takes place in our lives. Okay, so the first danger, the first ditch that we can fall on on one side is that we feel, we listen to a talk or we hear something or read something in the Bible about joy and we suddenly think, well, actually, that is something I ought to be experiencing and demonstrating to more people around me. It's kind of part of my obligation as a Christian is to be joyful wherever I go. So what we do is we start working hard at being joyful. Okay, we start working out what kind of face that looks like. So we stand in front of the mirror and work out what a, a joyful face looks like. We start working harder and harder to be joyful wherever we go. And the harder we work, the less joyful we feel. Because actually, whilst we're trying hard to be joyful and, you know, walking around and saying, praise the Lord, and isn't it a beautiful day, inside we're saying, I'm really cross and angry and I hate everybody, but I'm being joyful because I'm a Christian, okay? That's the first ditch that we fall into. Because the harder we work, it creates this kind of fake outward expression of joy that somehow I can't let you know what's going on in the inside because I'm supposed to be joyful. I'm not allowed to ever acknowledge that things are difficult, that life is tough, because actually I've got to be joyful. That's my, um, that's my obligation as a Christian. And what it creates is this horrible, fake, outward kind of joy that actually rather than drawing people to God, it just repels them. People are like, I don't want to be around you. You just seem a complete fake. You're, you're kind of pretending to be joyful and it doesn't seem to match up with anything else that's going on. That's not what kingdom joy is supposed to be. That's the first ditch that we can fall into. But as with everything, there's always a ditch the other side of the spectrum that we can also fall into as well. And that's the kind of keeping it real kind of ditch. The kind of thing where we think, well, I'd never, I don't want to be kind of fake. I don't want to pretend to be joyful. Therefore, I'm not going to make any effort whatsoever. I'm just going to let all my feelings hang out. I'm going to keep it real. I'm going to tell it like it is to anyone and everyone. I'm going to make absolutely no effort to be joyful I'm just going to wait for this moment where spontaneously, suddenly, joy happens and it kind of erupts out of me, but I'm going to make no effort whatsoever. To, I'm going to make it as hard as possible for God to make me joyful because when I am joyful, then I know it's for real. Yeah, there's this place that people end up in this kind of, you know, just being grumpy and miserable and real, yet actually you're the most miserable person in the room. And that's equally unattractive to non-believers because they look and they think, well, there's nothing different at work in you. You know, you say you, you know Jesus and he's transformed your life. Well, it doesn't, you're not a great advert for it because it looks like he's made you more miserable than anybody around. That's not what kingdom joy is either. Not waiting for this moment where suddenly spontaneously you get overcome with joy and you, your entire life gets transformed. As with everything, there's a middle ground that we can walk on, one that avoids the dangers of falling into either ditch. And this is what authentic kingdom joy is all about. This is what's promised by Jesus when he says, when I bring my kingdom, there will be joy. When he says, actually, where the rule and reign of God is, there should be a sense of joy. And so I think the key aspect of what we're looking at 
is actually the ground that we're walking on. What are we basing our joy on? That's actually the key to experiencing the joy that God promised for us as Christians. For those of us who, in this room this morning, you know that actually you live under the rule and reign of God, there is actually genuine, authentic joy accessible in your life on a daily basis that will go on forever and ever. That's the promise of God. So, so what is it? What's it about? What do we base our joy on? Because actually it's really important that we're walking on solid ground. It helps us to avoid the ditches. And actually you've got to think about what am I basing the joy in my life on? Because if you're looking for your joy primarily to come from your marriage, from your children, from your job, your bank balance, your friendships, then you'll find that your mood, your joy levels goes up and down a heck of a lot. Yeah? How many of you this week have had absolute, you know, you've had You've fallen out with your husband or wife. You've, had, you've been bickering about stuff. What about your children? If your entire joy is based on your children being perfect, then you know, normally within about five minutes of them waking up, your joy is struggling, okay? You know, there's a fight for joy. It might be the case. Certainly, maybe that's just in our house. You know, your job, maybe, you know, that's, you know, if you think, actually, I, my joy is based on how I'm getting on in my job. Well, that, that's... You know, that's a pretty dodgy kind of place to, to base everything you feel. Your friendships, people, how people treat you can vary a lot, can't it? People that you thought were great friends suddenly do something, say something, and it upsets you. If, if the way that you base joy is based on what's happening around you, then you'll find it'll be a bit of a roller coaster in terms of what you're experiencing. It's also not enough just to say that if you're basing joy on your personality, then actually that's, I'm just naturally a kind of joyful person. But it can't be just about personality because God's promised us joy for all those who live under the rule and reign of God. And wherever we take the rule and reign of God, you'll experience some joy. He didn't just say it's just for the kind of positive, glass half full kind of people. There's no, there's no caveats in what Jesus promised. He said, actually, we can all experience everlasting joy. So if you just say, well, it's just not my personality, I'm a melancholic kind of person, then I, then I think we're that's not what the, the Bible is saying. There's something that we can access that goes beyond our personality. Of course, some people are naturally positive and some people are, are naturally negative. But actually, the joy that is found in the kingdom of God is one that transcends all of our circumstances and all aspects of our personality. And you can tell this because the most joyful Christians on the, on the planet aren't necessarily the ones that have perfect families, lots of money, stress-free jobs, or positive outlooks on life. Actually, when you look at people you know who are very joyful, if it was all based on circumstances and personality, then we would see a, a trend, wouldn't we, between those two things. If you look in the Bible, there's, 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 there's real joy people in the Bible who've had hideous circumstances. Paul, the Apostle Paul, talks about how he's learned to be content in every circumstance, how he's joyful, yeah, actually, he was shipwrecked, he was put in prison for a lot of time, he was beaten, tortured. He didn't have an easy life by any means. Um, people we look at in the heroes of the faith, if you look back and read kind of biographies of people that have gone before us, so, so many people have had very big struggles in life. And, and even those people in the church here, people who have got massive struggles in life, sometimes can be the most joyful people. So, for example, Rob Clark has had a lifetime of struggling against physical illness, ill health. Yet, actually, you spend time with him, and you realize he's an incredibly joyful person. Yeah? Maria Deal, they're not here this morning, but, you know, she's 
ravaged by multiple sclerosis, yet you spend two minutes with her and you suddenly pick up something of the joy. So this joy can't be based on external circumstances. It just can't be because we've got examples of people that, we, that actually are the opposite. And also, we've probably got examples of people that have got great health, lots of money, great job, yet they're the most miserable people in the room. Yeah? So there is not a link between our external circumstances and this joy. There's something deep and profound about this joy of the kingdom that we can access regardless of what goes on in our life. And that's because I believe God has built us, this kind of almost this well in us that actually can only be filled by the Spirit of God. But actually, when that atmosphere is created, it's something that can never be robbed from you by circumstances or personality or things that go on in your life. Actually, God's designed us to be carriers of joy into every place that we go, regardless of life. So in our workplaces, our homes, our neighborhoods, our family, our friendships, our schools, suddenly they start experiencing something of the kingdom of God because there's a well inside us that is built for, to receive the joy of God and to bring that wherever we go. This isn't just, oh, it would be a nice thing. Jesus is saying, I want you to take this everywhere you go. I want this to be the atmosphere of your life. It's the same as it's bringing God's light into a world of darkness. And it's as powerful as going in and casting out demons. And it's, it's as powerful, Jesus is saying, as going and healing the sick. That actually to go and take genuine, authentic kingdom joy into someone else's life will have a transforming effect upon them. It leaves them thinking, wow, there's something going on there that I've never touched before, I've never seen before. That's why it's such a significant thing. Mother Teresa once said, one filled with joy preaches without preaching. And it's true, isn't it? You know that in your own life. Someone who's filled with joy, it just speaks volumes into us. So how do we get to this place? How do we, get to, how do we unlock this kind of well that actually God has put in each one of us as Christians? How do we unlock that so that we can start being people that carry joy? Not only experience it for ourselves, but also bring it to the world around us. Well, I believe it's all around, it all hinges around the activity of God. It's that actually we're totally wired to find joy in God's handiwork and his workmanship. I believe that actually he's built us so that when we see God's activity taking place, it connects with a joy and brings a joy into our life. Let's unpack that a little bit more and see what that means for us. Because actually, if we're going to be a people that really do see the kingdom of God come, in our families, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, if we really are going to see God move in power, then these are really key things for us to get hold of. Because if we as God's people suddenly become known and, and as people that are full of joy wherever we go, not because we're faking it and putting it on, but actually because there's something genuine about us, you know, that draws people to God. I mean, Jesus was clearly... The, the, our example in all of these things. And he, his, he drew people to him. He didn't have to have a big campaign where he, he went out and sent flyers out, come and, come and hear Jesus speak, come and, come and spend time with Jesus. Wherever he went, people just wanted to be with him. Now, of course, that was because he was doing miracles and amazing things, but also it tells us that he was the greatest person to be at a party with, that actually there was a joy in him that just drew people. People loved his company. And God's people should be magnets like that. We should have the same kind of magnetism to other people that actually there's something in us of joy that just draws people to us. People are looking for joy in the world. 
It's not a happy place. And where there is joy, it's very temporary. It's very short-lived. And it goes very, very quickly. People are looking for authentic, everlasting joy. And we have it, guys. We have access to it. And we should be demonstrating this to the world around us. So how do we do it? How do we see this kind of unleashed in our lives and then unleashed in the world around us? Well, the first thing we need to do is to place the gospel at the center of our lives. A bit like um, a stick of rock. Okay? So like a stick of rock, we see that just going all the way through. Wherever you break it, you'll always come up with the same South Old Pier somewhere along your, your stick of rock. Well, do you know what God has done in our lives as Christians in the gospel in the fact that he's miraculously saved us, that is actually one of the key components what actually unlocks joy in our lives. Luke 10 and verse 20 uh, is, the, is the passage where Jesus has got um, the disciples, he's commissioned them, we've already looked at that in this series, where he's told them, hey, go out into, into all the villages, go and proclaim the kingdom, go and heal the sick and go and cast out demons. And the, these kind of nervous disciples are heading out, you know, without Jesus for the first time. They're going out without him. Uh, and, and they go out and they see amazing miracles take place. And they come back to Jesus and they say to him, wow, this, that was phenomenal. That was the most amazing adventure we've ever been on. Even the demons um, kind of respond to our name. Even, we can even cast out spiritual powers in your name, Jesus. Even they kind of listen to us. And they come back with this sense of, wow, that was an amazing buzz and Jesus says, yeah, that's great. Well done. You've done exactly what I said. But he said, actually, you, you should first and foremost rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Okay, he's not saying to them, actually, everything I got, went and told you to do was a bit of a waste of time. Don't worry about it. He's saying that was brilliant. But don't base all your joy in life around that. Base it around the fact that your names are written in heaven. He's saying that's the rock that you can build your life on. Because actually we're looking for something that has got solid ground for us to walk on if we want to unlock joy. And he's saying, not only just believe your names are written, he says rejoice that your names. There's a sense we're actually understanding our salvation, understanding the miracle that we as an individual, if you today love Jesus, if you follow him, if you've repented, you believed in his death and his resurrection, that you would now say, yes, I know I'm a child of God. I have a relationship with God. The miracle that's taken place over that event where you've been born again is actually something that will give you everlasting joy if you focus your life on it, if you allow it to be the thing that goes like a stick of rock through your life. Clyde Thomas, who came over here, he's from one of the pastors at the church in Cambrun. He said this, the degree to which you understand salvation personally will dictate the expression of joy in your life. I think that's very true. There's a sense where actually, if we allow ourselves as Christians to be gospel-centered, allow it to be something that we, we live with on a daily basis and reflect on and think, yes, actually, isn't that phenomenal that today I can know God for myself? That actually I don't have to, to go through a priest. I don't have to make a sacrifice. Jesus has done it. I now can know God for myself. And not only that, that his spirit lives in me. You know, the more you start thinking about that, suddenly joy starts rising up in you. That's why worship does us so much good. Okay, we don't, we don't spend time worshiping when we gather together simply just to fill a bit of a slot that we think we need to kill a bit of time. Um, or, you know, we've always done it, so we should always do it. Actually, when you speak and sing truth to yourself about what God's done in your life, it causes something to well up in you, doesn't it? 
it causes something to think, wow, actually, yeah, I, I just, you know, yeah, that's good to be reminded again that my sins are now gone, that I now can know God for myself. Actually, when we focus on what God has done in our life, it unlocks a well of joy inside of us. Sometimes familiar, familiarity can just breed kind of a complacency. When you've enjoyed the benefits of something for a long time, you can forget how amazing it is. You know, it's like if, you, if, you, when you, if you've got kind of a, just a new phone or something like that, and the first time you get out of the box, you think, this phone is incredible. This phone is going to change my life. And you start playing with it, and you think, oh, look, it's got this, this kind of app, app on it, and it can do this. And, and you start going around preaching about your phone to everybody around you, telling you how amazing this phone is, and that they should get that phone as well. I appreciate that you probably, some people have to think of another example, but for some people, that's really exciting. And... Um, uh, and you, know, you suddenly look at this phone and you think, this is incredible, and this is, just, this is just the best thing ever. But actually, after a few weeks and a few months, suddenly the, the kind of novelty of it wears off a little bit, and suddenly it starts getting annoying, and suddenly you start feeling it's a bit slow, and then you're really looking forward to when your contract finishes. You start kind of thinking, well, how much longer have I got until my contract finishes and I can get a new phone? And you start looking forward to that, and you forget that the, the kind of the technology within even the most basic phone I mean, if you, if you were around when computers first came out, you know, the great big kind of things that are about this big, well, what's in your phone is about five times more powerful than those great big things. And you've lost the amazingness of this because you've got a bit familiar with it, and it's, it's less exciting than it was. How many of us as Christians can actually say, that's a little bit sometimes what the gospel is like in my life? That actually, I've heard it so many times, and it is great, but actually, I kind of, yeah, I'm just a bit kind of complacent about it. It's kind of lost some of that kind of, that joy, that spark in it. And it's like, yeah, I know I'm a Christian. I know God loves me. Yeah, that's great. But I've got this to do, this to do, this to do today. I've got that to do. I've got, you know, the world to save. I've got this to do. It's great that God loves me. Yes, but I've got to get on with this. You know, actually, there's something that I think we need to make sure we never lose sight of the glory of the gospel. Because what it does is not only is it the basis of our internal salvation, it actually is something that unlocks a joy in us which will change the world around us. It's the source of something amazing. In Psalm 51 verse 12, the psalmist writes, restores to me the joy of your salvation. Okay, sometimes we just need to say, Lord, help me. I want to get back into a place where on a daily basis, I'm just living in joy of what you've done in my life already the miracle of salvation that's taking place. It might be even here, you're here this morning, you think, actually, do you know, I've just allowed myself to get complacent about that. I, I've kind of got familiar with it. And it's good because you're not worried that you're going to lose it. So there's a positive to that. But actually, you've lost the power of it to unlock joy in your life. Suddenly, life is different when you reflect again on the miracle of salvation. John Piper, an American pastor and writer, says this, the best news of the Christian gospel is that the supremely glorious creator of the universe has acted in Jesus Christ's death and resurrection to remove every obstacle between us and himself so that we might find everlasting joy in seeing and savoring his infinite beauty. Everlasting joy in seeing and savoring his infinite beauty. Do you know, I think we need to get good at preaching the gospel to ourselves on a daily basis, that actually just allowing ourselves on a regular basis every day to be preaching the gospel to us. Someone once said that the most influential person in your life is yourself. 
because nobody talks to yourself as much as you do. Okay? You are the most influential person to yourself. Okay? Now, you, some of you, some of us might talk out loud to ourselves. The majority is in our head. But actually, we are the biggest influence on ourselves. What do you spend most of your time talking to yourself about? It's a good question. Because actually, if you bring in even more of bringing the gospel, speaking to the gospel to yourself, it will transform our lives. Suddenly, smiles start to naturally appear in our face. Suddenly, this joy, that, this well of joy that God has put in us starts to get unlocked again because we're connecting with what God has done. Joyless Christians just don't live with a daily awareness of the miraculous salvation we've experienced. If you're here this morning and you think, actually, I've just lost my joy. In fact, I might have had it for a few days at the beginning, but I don't think I've had it for a long time. Then actually, one of the main things you need to do this morning is reconnect with the gospel. Allow the gospel to be something you preach to yourself on a daily basis. And you'll be surprised. Go on an experiment. Think, okay, for the next month, every day, I'm, I'm going to write something down. I'm going to put it somewhere prominent. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do something where I just remind myself, just write gospel somewhere that comes up regularly. And you take one minute every hour just to thank God for your salvation and what he's done. And ask him just to bring you a fresh revelation and make it fresh. Go on, do it as an experiment. By the end of the month, you'll feel a lot more joyful than you have at the beginning, regardless of what's gone on in that month, in your life, in your circumstances, because you're tapping into the well that God has put inside you. The second thing we can do um, that God has put in us to help us live this life of joy and to bring this joy around us is actually to see more of God's activity in us and through us. So the first thing is to focus and remind ourselves again of what he has done in our lives. But actually, there's also a spiritual dynamic of seeing God's activity in us and through us that unlocks a joy in us as well. Jesus said in John 16, verse 24, saying to his disciples, Ask and you'll receive that your joy may be full. So he's saying that there's a connection here between joy and joy being full. So a sense where actually you can have complete joy in your life, something that we just can't imagine but just this sense there's a joy there is the connection between asking and receiving so that your joy may be full. You see, the more we see God at work in our lives and in the lives of the people around us, the more joyful we'll be. Regardless of the circumstances that are going on in your life. And God wants to break in and change those as well. But the more we see God working in us and through us, the more activity we see, the more answers to prayer we see, the more joyful we'll become. Because actually, he's hardwired it that we get our most joy when we see him at work. He's just done it. He's hardwired us. But so often, we, we just look for our joy in everything else around us, all the temporary stuff and the circumstances. And if that gets better, I'll feel happier. And we miss the fact that Jesus has said, ask and you'll receive that your joy may be full. When we see God at work, it unlocks something in us that nothing else can touch. For the follower of Christ, nothing can surpass the joy of seeing Jesus transform lives. Nothing can surpass in your life the joy of seeing God breaking in and changing your life, the lives of people around you, the people you love, the people you care for, the strangers that you just walk past, the town that we live in. Nothing will ever make you more joyful than seeing God at work. It's like, well, that's one of the reasons I just love doing Alpha. Because actually, you're seeing God at work in people's lives. And you know, there's no greater buzz than seeing God at work in someone's life, is there? 
when you walk with someone, you say, oh, yeah, you're just changing. I can see God doing that in your heart and in your mind. And, yeah, you're, he's bringing you. He's gently wooing you. You're like, yeah, this is amazing, God. How about you think about yourself. When you've had prayers answered that you've been praying for, maybe just one prayer, or maybe you've been praying for a long time for something, and you see God break in, how did that feel? Yeah? Do you know, standing here, suddenly smiles are going across the room. Because you're tapping into something that God has done. And suddenly a smile comes and you think, oh yeah, that was amazing. That was amazing when I prayed for that person and saw God break in and heal them. That was amazing when we prayed for that person to get a job and, and, and they got a job. That was amazing when we prayed for that situation and God broke in. Suddenly you're tapping into some of the joy that God has put in us. And so actually the more we see God break in, the more answers to prayer we see, then what happens? We're going to get more joyful. We're bringing kingdom joy because it's connected with him and his activity. So we need to be a people that are praying a lot more. We need to be, if we want to be bringing kingdom joy, we need to be praying a lot more. Because God's hardwired it that joy and his activity answers to prayer. Ask and you'll receive. Actually, there's a connection between those two things. If we never pray for anything, our joy levels are going to be pretty low. You'll be finding temporary joy in the world around you or things that are happening but actually you're not hitting the everlasting kingdom joy that's accessible to us because that happens when we connect with God's activity. There's a great a song I've been listening to quite a lot recently uh, by some uh, American uh, worship group called Jesus Culture, um, and it talks about Jesus walking into the room and what happens when Jesus walks into the room. I'm just gonna, um, the words are just up there. I'm just going to read it to you. It's talking about... What happens when we bring Jesus into a situation? So speaking to Jesus, it says, When you walk into the room, everything changes. Darkness starts to tremble at the light that you bring. And when you walk into the room, every heart starts burning. And nothing matters more than just to sit here at your feet and worship you. When you walk into the room, sickness starts to vanish. Every hopeless situation ceases to exist. And when you walk into the room, the dead begin to rise because there is resurrection life in all you do. Do you know, our calling is to bring Jesus into the room wherever we go because that's what happens. When Jesus walks into the room, everything changes because that's who he is. He's the, in his kingdom, sickness has to go. In his kingdom, hope comes where there was no hope. In his kingdom, joy comes where there was sadness. In his kingdom, we see things just transform. And that's the calling that he's put on us. And actually, when we pray, either directly with somebody or indirectly from a distance, what we're doing is we're bringing Jesus into the room of their lives. We're, we're, we're introducing him into a situation, saying, Jesus, would you come walk into this room, walk into this situation? Would you come and transform it? Would you come and bring light where there was darkness? Would you come and just turn it upside down? And because God's such an amazing God, not only does he love to do that, but he's, we also get a kickback of joy when that happens as well. Because he wired us to say, well, actually, when you receive something from me, you find a joy that you've never found in anything else in the world at all. Are we praying to, to actually bring Jesus in? That's, that's our motivation to prayer. That's why we should be giving ourselves to personal prayer, to corporate prayer, praying wherever we can, praying in the workplace, praying um, down, walk, as you walk down the street, Jesus, walk into these rooms, walk into these people's lives. I want to see you break in. And actually, as we do that, do you know, we suddenly the smiles start coming on our faces. 
we suddenly start, as we, we as a staff group, we, uh, the church here, we, um, we pray together during the week. And we always try and start off with saying, okay, what's, what, let's have some reasons to celebrate this morning. What's God been doing? And we try and reflect on answers to prayer that we've heard about in the church or with people or things that we've done ourselves. Because we're trying to start from a place of celebrating what God has done. Because then suddenly you find the atmosphere changes. Faith rises, joy comes. And we just want to create more of that momentum, don't we? We want to bring Jesus into the room more and more. Joyless Christians just don't see God at work in them and through them because they never ask. If you're here this morning and you're a Christian, you just think, I just struggle, I just don't feel very joyful. Maybe you need to put God at the center, the gospel again at the center of your life and preach yourself on a, to yourself on a daily basis, actually the joy of your salvation. But also maybe you need to start asking more from God. Maybe you just need to say, actually, I've got I to start bringing him into the room more. I've got in my own life, but also the lives of people around me. And you know, suddenly, unlock, what unlocks in you is this everlasting kingdom joy that you never knew before. You thought you, you kind of found joy from watching a comedy program or from doing this. But I tell you, the most joyful people on the planet are those that see God at work on a daily basis. Because they're, they're, they're hardwired to find joy in God. So just as we kind of pull this together... I think it's just important for us to realize that part of our calling as Christians in bringing the kingdom wherever we go is to bring joy wherever we go. We are supposed to be the most joyful people on the planet, but nothing worse than people that feel they're supposed to be joyful pretending they're supposed to be joyful. <laughs> okay. God wants us to be authentically joyful wherever we go, just for it just naturally come out of us. No matter what's going on in our life, no matter what the situation, the promise of God when Jesus said, I've come to bring the kingdom, the promise of God is that actually it's possible for you to experience unceasing joy in your life, no matter what's going on. And no one else on the planet can say that, because everyone else is dependent on circumstances. Yet, for us, we have something different that we can access in God. So bringing a joy, being a joy bringer, no matter what our circumstances it's not only possible, but it's vital if this world is to start experiencing the light of the kingdom of God. Just like Jesus naturally drew people because of what he was about. You know, we, we can do loads of stuff to go out there and to put on events and be evangelistic. And that's, that's important and we will continue to do those things. But, you know, the most powerful thing is when God's people get hold of him and start bringing the kingdom of God in their own lives and bringing it to the world around them that they live in. Because you're just drawn, people are drawn to you. If you suddenly go on a, a joy journey over the next month, you will change the atmosphere in your office. You'll change the atmosphere in your house. If you start experiencing kingdom supernatural joy in your life, I tell you, you'll transform your marriage. You'll transform your family life. You'll transform your workplace. You'll transform the shop when you walk into a shop. Because that's what the kingdom of God is about. It's not theory, it's practice, it's reality. It's a supernatural thing that changes everything wherever we go. And isn't God good? He wants us to bring joy everywhere we go. That doesn't sound like a bad deal, does it? You know, I want, to be, I want to find more joy in my life, and I want to bring more joy where I go. What a great God we have. Let's respond to God. I'm going to ask the band just to come back and, and, and lead us in a song as we finish. We're going to sing uh, just a song that just reflects really on what God has done in our life. Let's put it into practice. Let's allow ourselves just to 
thank him for what he's done for us in this amazing, miraculous moment of salvation. If you're here this morning and you've been listening, you think, yeah, that sounds really good, but I know that I'm not in that place. It might be that you're not a Christian here this morning, and we'd love to serve you this morning. If you want to find out more, come and speak to us. We'd love to pray with you. You this morning can transfer from, light, from darkness to light. That's the promise in the Bible. We'd love to pray with you for that. If you're here this morning as a Christian, you think, do you know, I just, I just realized that my life, I just want to know more joy. Then I would just encourage you as we sing, just start saying to God, I want to go on a journey. I, I don't want to fall into these ditches one side or the other. I want to put my feet on you. I want to put my feet on preaching the gospel to myself. And I want to start asking you for more and seeing you break in. Uh, if you want to do that, last week, as we're worshiping, I just want to encourage you just to do some business with God and just say, God, okay, I want this. I want to change. I want to bring kingdom joy wherever I go. So let's just stand. If you're able to stand, if you're not, then sit and sing where you are. And um, let's just allow the Holy Spirit just to touch us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you call us to great things. I thank you that you don't call us to something and tell us just to go away and get on with it. But through the Holy Spirit, your power and your presence, you work in us and through us to bring your kingdom. We want to be a people that bring your kingdom, Lord, in this place, in our lives, in the lives of those around us, in our town, wherever we go. We want to be a kingdom people. Lord. We're serious about this, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for the joy that you've hardwired into that, that mission. Lord, it's not supposed to be a miserable mission. It's supposed to be a joy-filled one. Lord, I pray for each one of us that you would unlock, help us to unlock even more in our lives your joy, authentic joy, that we can change the atmosphere and change the world around us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.